turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Uh, during these four Sundays in December, we're, we're speaking on the words of Christmas. We hear so much about the sounds of Christmas. And they're talking about the bells and the carols and the songs. Much about the sounds of Christmas, which I love. It's wonderful. But then there are the words that are so significantly associated with the meaning of Christmas. Last Sunday, we looked at the word peace and the fact that Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace and that through Him, we can have peace with God and through Jesus, we can have the peace of God. So one of the great words of Christmas is the word peace. This morning, we're looking at the word joy. And joy is associated with Christmas. Perhaps the most familiar, or one of the most familiar Christmas carols. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. Hey, how many times have we sung joy to the world. So joy is a word that is associated with Christmas. And today we're going to be speaking on this word and the meaning of joy. The next Sunday, the 18th, the word's hope. Because Christmas, the message of Christmas is a message of hope. And when Jesus came and was born that first Christmas day, he came from eternity into earth. Hope was born. And so we're going to look at hope next Sunday. And then on Christmas Day, we're just going to take the name Jesus. You shall call his name Jesus. And we're just going to exalt and worship and look at all that Jesus means to us. Uh, but in Luke chapter 2, just notice the angels announced joy. Verse 7. She brought forth her, brought forth her firstborn son wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, for there was no room in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And you shall find the, and this, and this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Good tidings of great joy. You know, joy is a very familiar word, word to each one of us. Especially us, those of us who are Christians. We not only know the word joy, but we have experienced, and we do experience, joy in our lives every day. You know, the Bible teaches that there's a difference between joy and peace. You know why we know that? Because 
in the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22, it says, and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. So there's a distinct difference between the peace with God and the peace of God and the joy that we as believers experience in our life every day. Now, we know that Jesus said that he is our peace. He said that. In John chapter 14, verse 27, he said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. But he also said, Jesus did, that he is our joy. Not only is he our peace, but Jesus is our joy. In John chapter 15, verse 11, listen to what Jesus said. These things have I spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is our peace. And Jesus said, I'm giving you my joy so that your joy might be full. Now, as we come to this thing about joy, to be honest with you, I have found that it's a difficult we know how we've experienced it, and we know what it is. But it's difficult to put into words. Now, it really is. You know, to be honest, I have never, in all the years I've been preaching, ever preached a message just on joy. And I'm so thankful that the Lord led me to do this because I've had to look into the Word of God and say, Now, Lord, I, I know what peace is, but how do you get a handle on joy? What is joy? How do you know what it is? How do you know you're experiencing that? You know, as as you come to find what is joy, I was shocked to realize that there are 15 Hebrew words that are used for joy. There are eight Greek words that are used for joy. And the word for joy, the words for joy, are found in over 150 verses uh, in the King James Version of the Bible. So you might say, well, the Bible is a book of joy. It really is. But let me tell you what the root really is this. The word joy means, how many times have you heard it? It means to rejoice. See, joy is not only a noun, but it's a verb. So when you say, well, what is joy? It means, well, you rejoice. You you rejoice in the Lord. You rejoice when someone is saved. So joy is is to rejoice. But joy also is, it's to be glad. It's to be glad. And, and, and a lot of times the, the words there, uh, where joy is, it means just to be glad. Also, it means to delight. When you delight in something or someone, that's joy. So it's to rejoice. It's uh, to be glad. It's to delight. But you know another unusual word for joy is, means to glory in. Like you glory in something, or you glory in someone. And so joy can be used, well, you glory in something, or someone. And it also means, how many times have we used this word? Enjoyment. Well, I enjoyed that. So when we talk about joy, we're talking about rejoicing, we're talking about being glad, we're talking about delighting, we're talking about glory in, we're talking about enjoyment, which is a quiet sense of satisfaction and contentment, you know, 
One way you can understand joy is this, to know the opposite of it. The opposite of joy is mourning. You know why I know that? In Isaiah 63, uh, 61 verse 3, he says, I'm going to give them beauty for ashes. I'm going to give them the oil of joy for mourning. So joy is the opposite of mourning. Another understanding is we say that joy is delight. Well, joy, delight is the opposite of distress. So when a person has joy, they're rejoicing, they're glad, they're delighting, they're glorying in, they're enjoying, they're not mourning, they're not in distress, they have joy. Now, the question that I want to raise this morning is this. I mean, joy is a word that we see all around us at Christmas time. Well, what is the source of our joy? I mean, what is it? You see, I was trying to think the relationship between joy and happiness. I said, well, you know, joy and happiness are twins, but they're not identical. They're opposites. You see, happiness depends on what happens. If good, and by the way, I'm for happiness. I mean, happiness is not a bad thing, y'all. It's a good thing. Happiness, though, depends on what happens. If good things happen, man, I'm happy. If bad things happen, I'm unhappy. But you see, joy has no relation to what happens. Joy does not depend on what happens. You can have joy when bad things happen. And you can have joy when good things happen. See, joy is that inner, that, 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 that which is inside you. But I, I call it the inner strength or the inner, um, just the inner joy that is in you by the presence of Jesus and by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting that the fruit of the Spirit is joy? And I don't think that it, the fruit of the Spirit would depend on our circumstances. It wouldn't depend on what happened. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So the source of joy is just that it, it's, it's, it's inward. And, and there's a strength there. And, and man, the world doesn't give it to you, and the world can't take it away. But what is the source of our joy? Psalm 1611, listen to this. This will bless you. What is this? Where does our joy come from? Where, where does our rejoicing, our gladness, our delight, our enjoyment, where does it come from? Psalm 1611. Notice what it says. You will show me the path of life. In your presence, Lord, in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What a description. He says, God, it's in your presence. When I'm in your presence, Lord, that there's fullness of joy. Joy comes from your presence, almighty God. And at your right hand, Lord, they're just pleasures forevermore. So joy comes from, from the very presence of God himself. But you know, there was a passage and I want you to turn over there. I want you to see this. First John chapter 1. I'd read this many times. And then that fourth verse would jump out. 
But now I understand it better than anything else. I'm talking about the source of our joy. Well, where do we get our enjoyment? Where we do we rejoice? Where do we get our gladness? Where do we get our delight? Where do we get that inner sense of well-being and, and satisfaction? I mean, where do we get that? It comes from the presence of God. But in 1 John, it, it, it talks about, about joy. And I want you to listen to what they said. In, in verse 1 through 4, this is what I'm going to read it, and I want you to listen to what John was saying to the people he was writing to. He says in verse 1, that which was from the beginning, he's talking about Jesus. All right, now listen, he's talking about Jesus. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, we heard Jesus speak. Which we have seen with our eyes, we saw Jesus. Which we have looked upon, we watched him for three years. And our hands have handled the word of life. We touched him. He said, man, he's from the beginning. He says, we have heard him. We have seen him. We have watched him. And we have touched him. We have had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Then he goes on and says in verse 2, this life, Jesus, was manifested. And we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, Jesus, which was with the Father, And was manifested to us. Then he says it. Listen. That which we have seen. And that which we have heard. We declare to you. We're telling you all that we've seen and heard about Jesus. We declare it to you. So that you can have fellowship with us. So you can have fellowship with us. And our fellowship. Get this now. Is with the Father. And with his son Jesus Christ. And look at the next verse. And these things. We write to you that your joy may be full. You know where joy comes from? He said, we have fellowship with the Father. Now listen to what John said. We've got fellowship with the Father. And we've got fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we're telling you that so that you can have fellowship with the Father. And so you can have fellowship with the Son, And we're telling you this so your joy may be full. I'm going to tell you where my joy comes from. Where the joy of any child of God comes from. It's that personal fellowship with God as our Heavenly Father. And we have that personal fellowship with God as our Heavenly Father through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, joy. The joy of knowing that God is your Father. The joy of knowing that God loves you. The, the joy of knowing that God is for you and not against you. And the joy of knowing that he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You understand that it is our daily fellowship with the Father through his Son, Jesus Christ, that is the joy of our life. Our joy comes from our fellowship with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And there's nothing in this world that can compare with it. The sweet fellowship. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. And every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Hallelujah. I get joy from just getting up in the morning and saying, Father, this is the day you've made. I am yours 
What's your plan today, Lord? And today, no matter what I face, you will be my peace and you will be my joy and you will be my strength. You did not create me and forget about me. You are involved in my life. See, joy comes from our fellowship with the Father through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know, joy just comes from the presence of Jesus in our life. Just a way of another say, way of saying experiencing fellowship. You see, Jesus said, these things have I spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. He said, my joy, and that your joy may be full. You see, our, 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 our rejoicing, our gladness, our delight, our enjoyment, the glory, it's just the fact that Jesus lives in us and that he is our joy. That's the source of our joy. And you know, the Holy Spirit just produces that joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Yes, the love of God and the love of people. And the fruit of the Spirit is joy. It is that inner strength. It is that, inner, that gladness, that delight, that rejoicing that is in us, that is produced by the Holy Spirit of God. You don't work it up. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God produces the joy in our life. So what is the source of our joy? The fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus. What is the source of our joy? It is the presence of Jesus Christ in our life. He said, my joy might remain in you. And it is the joy that comes produced by the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. But I'm going to tell you something else. You know what gives us great joy? A source of our, is the greatness of our salvation. You know, you really cannot think about all that it means to be saved without there being rejoicing in your heart and gladness in your heart and delight in your heart and enjoyment. You see, when we meditate upon and reflect on the greatness of our salvation, it produces tremendous, it gives us joy. It just gives us tremendous joy. You know, Paul knew that. I want you to listen to what his testimony was. He looked back on his life, and he'd seen the, the miracles and the wonders of God. And he'd seen those who wanted to glory in men. I'm, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. He'd seen those who wanted to glory in works like of circumcision or don't eat or don't touch. He said, I'll tell you something. I'm not going to glory in men, and I'm not going to glory in any ritual or rite. And this is what he said. And the word glory is another word for joy. He said, God forbid that I should glory. God forbid that I should find my joy, my gladness, my delight, rejoice. God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified to me and me to the world. I'm going to tell you about Paul. He never got over getting saved. Hallelujah. And man, we don't need to get over getting saved. Man, I get to thinking about the fact that here I was, lost, separated from God in sin, but God in his great mercy sent his son Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins, bore our sins in his body on the tree, and that God raised him from the dead. And here's the verse that just rings in my heart, brings me joy. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 
Now, you, you're talking about something that will give, give you joy. <laughs> It'll cause you to rejoice. I'm telling you to realize that in his great mercy and grace through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, God took your sin and placed it on his son. And Jesus paid for your sins in full past, present, and future. And all of your sin was placed on Jesus. And he died for them. And the sin debt is paid. But then at the same time, God not only took your sin and put it on Jesus, but God took his righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus, and gave it to you. I'll tell you, that is shouting ground for a child of the living God. Man. Listen, I'm standing here this morning and I deserve hell, but I'm not standing here in my sin. I'm standing here robed in the righteousness of the Son of God. And it is a gift from God that I could have never deserved or never earned. You see, the joy that we have comes from knowing the greatness of our salvation. Man. You know, one of the definitions of joy, <laughs> I kind of laughed when I saw that. It says, it's to leap. You know, they said, when you got joy, you just leap. I said, Lord, I'm too old to leap. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> and another word of uh, uh, another definition of defining of joy was not only to leap, but to dance. I said, but I'm a Baptist, Lord, that will not work. <laughs> but those are two definitions that come for the word joy. But you see... Man, we, we, we have our joy comes from our personal fellowship with God, the presence of God through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And it comes from the fact that Jesus Christ is our joy and the fruit of the Spirit is joy. But it just comes from the fact that we're saved. Our sins are forgiven and that we're children of God. And it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. It's by his mercy that he saved us. And it's grace. It is the grace of God that while we were still sinners, Christ died. What joy, delight, and gladness and enjoyment that brings to our heart. But you know, not only the greatness of our salvation, but the promises of God bring us great joy. I got to thinking about how the Word of God, the promises of God, just as we read them and meditate on them, they're a source of, of, of delight. They're a source of rejoicing and gladness. I got to thinking about the new covenant and how it brings such great joy to us. You see, here's, here's the deal about the new covenant. The old covenant was based on the law. Thou shalt not. And I want to tell you the moral law of good, God is good, and the moral law of God was never given to him us in. It was given to keep evil out. And you see, only a person who's saved can keep the moral law of God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make any graven image. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And then it goes on and says, talks about our relationship with God. But then it talks about our relationship with people. Honor your father and your mother. And then it says, don't lie. See, that's relationship with people. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Don't covet and own. You see, the thing about it is the moral law is good. But we couldn't keep it because we didn't have the power. But once we get saved, once we get saved, the Bible says that the righteousness of the law is fulfilled in us. But here's the thing I love about that. The old covenant was based on law. And the law showed us our need to be saved. 
Now, the new covenant is based on grace. It's based on what God did for us through his son, and that by God's grace, we can not only be forgiven, but by God's grace, we can keep the moral law of God. But here's the deal I love about the new covenant, and this makes me rejoice. It fills my heart with joy. You know a great part of the new covenant is? In the old covenant, they'd give sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice for the sins of the people. And it would just cover their sins. It would just cover them. Couldn't remove them. Every year, new sacrifice. Every day, new sacrifice. The old covenant, there was just the covering of sin. But Jesus came. He's the author of the new covenant. It's not based on law. It's based on the grace of God, God doing for us what we don't deserve and could not do for ourselves. And so here it comes. It's the grace of God. And in the grace of God and through the blood of Christ, the new covenant is this. Now listen carefully. Before the law was written on tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments, but he said, you know, this is the new covenant. I'm going to write my law in your mind and I'm going to write my law in your heart and you're going to start loving me and you're going to start obeying me but not because you have to thou shalt thou shalt not he said no that's law he said I'm going to write my law in your mind and I'm going to write it in your heart and I'm going to give you a new heart and a new spirit, and now you're going to love me, and you're going to want to obey me, and you're going to want to please me, not because you have to, but because you want to. And then he goes on and says in the new covenant, I'm going to write my law in your heart, in your mind. I'm going to make you different on the inside, and you'll live different on the outside. He said, but also, not only am I going to write my law in your heart, your mind, he said, and your sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Do you know what makes me, <laughs> makes me uh, just full of joy? Just makes me want to leap and dance and don't worry, I'm not going to do it. But you know what it is to know that God has not only forgiven me of my sin, but he has forgotten about every one of them. They are buried in the depths of the sea. And God, you know, you know why God doesn't remember your sins if you're saved and washed in the blood of Jesus? He, you know why he doesn't remember them? Because it's his deliberate choice not to remember them. He said, your sins and iniquities, I will remember no more. You don't have to live under guilt. You don't have to live under shame. You don't have to live under condemnation. Your sins are under the blood of Jesus Christ, and God has forgotten them. Hallelujah. I'm getting full of joy, I'm telling you. You see, it is the joy of the promises of God. It's the new covenant. And see, all of this is just the source of joy. But, you know, I, I'll tell you another thing that's really good, too. <laughs> is that, you know, people, people can give us joy. We get joy from people. From seeing what God does in people's lives. From seeing how people respond to God, you say, well, Brother Fred, I don't know about that. Some folks ain't giving me joy. But I'm telling you, I want you to listen to what Paul, Paul joyed in the fact of what he had seen God do in people's lives. One of the great joys of Paul's life was to see the Christians in Ephesus and to see the Christians and just to think all that God had done. Now, now listen to what Paul said 
in 1 Thessalonians 2 how he got great joy from those that God had worked in their life. He says, for what is our hope? Our joy, our crown of rejoicing, is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? He said, I'm telling you what my joy is. It's you who are, go- who are saved and are going to be ready when Jesus comes back. He says, you are my joy and my rejoicing because of what God has done in your life. And how it gives us great delight and gladness and enjoyment and rejoicing when we see people that are saved and people that are forgiven and people that are changed and we see what God has done in their life and maybe God used us to pray for them or to witness to them and we say you know that, that, that that's when Jesus comes back one of my great joys is going to be is Bill or Sue or Jim or Jay. man they're going to be there and they're going to it's because of God and I just had a little part in it you know hey I'm telling you People, and when they respond to God, can bring joy. They can be a source of joy. You know, you realize that uh, there are three books of, uh, uh, there's the Gospel of John, then there's 1 John, 2 John, which only has one chapter, and then there's 3 John. Now, you, you know there's a verse in 3 John. That sounds funny, doesn't it? Third John chapter 1, verse 4. Listen to what John wrote. You're talking about how you people can bring joy into your life? What God does in their life? You see them growing spiritually. You see what God is doing. You see fruit there. Listen to what John said. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Wow. He says, when I hear about all those people, my children, there was anybody that John had ever touched with the gospel. He said, I'll tell you, I have no greater joy than to know they're going on with Jesus. They're walking in truth. Hey, I tell you what, when we see God work in people's lives, it can be a great source of joy. And we can rejoice in them. But you know, there's another verse that goes along with this. And I've been talking about the source of joy. But there's the strength that comes from joy. In book of Nehemiah, I, I, I really wondered. Now, we all know that verse, the joy of the Lord is my what? Strength. That is not in the Psalms. It's not in the New Testament. I couldn't find it, to be honest with you. I knew it was in there. So I got somebody who knew how to get on computers to go and find it for me. I mean, I can, I can get my email, but I, can't, I don't know how to do all that stuff. But you know where it's found? You know where that word, the joy of the Lord is found? You know where it's found? It's found in the book of Nehemiah. And let me tell you the background. See, strength, inner strength comes from joy. That gladness, that delight, that rejoicing, that enjoyment. Uh, It's the joy that's produced by the Holy Spirit in the presence of Jesus. It's our strength. Jerusalem had been in ruins. Ruins. God broke the heart of Nehemiah. He wept and fasted. And the king said, why are you weeping and fasting? And Nehemiah said, how can I have joy when the walls around Jerusalem are down and it's in shambles and God's people are in distress? And the king said, well, why don't you go back and rebuild the wall? 
And why don't you go back and encourage the people? Well, he did. And in the eighth chapter of the book of Nehemiah, the wall is finished. And the people who had been in captivity, now get this now, who had been in captivity are now gathered back together. And you know what they do? They go get the law of God. They go get the word of God. Evidently, they, in captivity, they'd not been under the word of God. They'd not heard the word of God. And I'm telling you, in chapter 8, they begin reading the word of God early in the morning. It says in verse 3, Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the western gate from morning until midday before the men and women, those who could understand, and all the hearers of the people were attentive to the book of the law. So they just there, the gates... The, the, the wall was up. The gates were hung. There was safety. Jerusalem was restored. And here are the people of God standing there at the, at the gate and listening to the Word of God. Listening to the Word of God as it is read hour after hour. Verse 6, listen. And, and Ezra blessed the people, the great God. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen. While they were lifting their hands and they bowed their heads and worshiped, and with the Lord, with their faces to the ground, they got under the word of God, and God began to move, and they just began to worship and to praise God. All right, now go on. But they began to weep. And, in, and Nehemiah said, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. He said, Now listen, God has moved on your heart. And said, he's broken your heart now. And you've mourned and wept and you've repented. Good. But then he tells them, listen to what he said. I want you to move out of the mourning and I want you to move into the joy of the Lord. And he said in verse 10, then he said to them, go your way. Eat the fat. Go eat a good meal. I like that. Go go your way. Eat the fat. Drink the sweet. And send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to the Lord. Do not sorrow. You've already been through that brokenness and repentance. Do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You come out of brokenness and repentance and you get right with God and the Spirit of God visits you. And Nehemiah said, go eat a good meal and drink something that's sweet, sweet tea, hallelujah. And said, and just... Quit mourning because, he said, I'm going to tell you, your strength comes from the joy of the Lord in your life. Man, it's good to be broken. It's good to repent. It's good to be forgiven. But then it's good just to enjoy the presence of God's forgiveness and find that the joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, joy is a great word. Let me just close by saying this. Hey, you know where Jesus got the strength to go to the cross? It was the joy in his heart. I've often wondered about this verse. And I want you to listen to how the joy of the Lord becomes strength in us. It talks about Jesus going to the cross. And it says in the 12th chapter, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of the faith, now get this, who for the joy that was set before him endured, wait a minute, didn't say enjoyed, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, 
despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I'm telling you, Jesus looked at the cross. He endured it. He saw the sh- despising the shame. But you know, it was the joy that was set before him. It was the joy, the delight, the delight of doing the Father's will. It was the joy of doing the Father's will. It was the joy of knowing that through the cross, many men and women would come to salvation. And so when Jesus went to the cross, it was the joy of the Lord that was his strength, who said who for the joy that was set before him. He knew he was doing the Father's will, and he knew that many would come unto salvation. And it was the joy that gave Jesus the strength to endure the cross. Hey, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And then there's just a spontaneous expression of joy. You know what the Bible says in Luke 15? There's just a spontaneous expression of joy. Jesus said, um, there was a man that had a hundred sheep. Ninety-nine were safe in the fold, but there was one that was unsafe. He was lost. So the shepherd goes, gets the sheep, puts them on his shoulders, and bring him back. And he says to his neighbors, rejoice with me, rejoice with me. That word rejoice, that's joy. Rejoice with me, for I found my lost sheep, and I brought him back, and then he's in the fold. (laughs) And then Jesus said, I love this. He said, there's joy. Did you know there's joy in heaven? (laughs) There's joy in heaven over one sinner that repents and comes back to God. Man, isn't that awesome? Man, we, we, we re- there's just a spontaneous rejoicing when somebody gets saved. There's a spontaneous rejoicing when a child of God gets right and restored to God. There's a rejoicing when the wandering child comes back home. There's a rejoicing when the marriage is restored. Hey, listen, there's a spontaneous joy that comes when we see the blessings of God in the lives of people. Joy in heaven. When one sinner comes home to God. You know, one way of expressing joy, and Brother Ed's going to love this, is music. That's one thing I love about worship. It's just one of the great ways to express joy is in music. I I tell you, it's 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 just an awesome thing. Uh, If you want to turn, I'm just going to read this and pray. Turn to Psalm 149. And uh, it's, it's the last two Psalms. But you know, one of the greatest ways to express joy, your gladness, your delight, your rejoicing, uh, your enjoyment, just one of the greatest ways to express joy is with music. Look, look at Psalm 149. Just let me read the first uh, six verses. Praise the Lord. By the way, what is the word that's for praise the Lord that is the same in every language? What's that word? Hallelujah. That's the same in every language. You've heard me tell the story of how we were in India and this guy was supposed to come. Ed Lacey and I were back up in some place. Uh, we didn't know where we were and, and I'm glad God did. And uh, 
there was this guy who was supposed to come and pick up Ed and take him to the place back where he was going to be ministering that night. And I was going to minister in the town that I was in. And, and, and he was supposed to be there at 2 o'clock. And he got there three hours early, which is fine. But he couldn't speak, an, he couldn't speak a word of English. And I don't know what he, I, we couldn't speak whatever his language was. So you're not going to ignore the guy. You're not going to do that. So what are you going to do for three hours? He was a little short guy. He'd sit over there in the corner, and every now and then he'd say, Hallelujah. <laughs> this is a true story. <laughs> and I'd say, Hallelujah. <laughs> for three hours, we sat there. And between me and Ed and him, we must have said, Hallelujah, 50 times. <laughs> we all knew what that meant. But you know what it says here? Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Praise in the assembly of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name with the dance. Let him sing praises to him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. One of the greatest ways to express joy is in singing. Psalm 150, listen to this. Praise the Lord. There's that word, hallelujah. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise God in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with string instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. <laughs> praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I tell you, it's, good. it's wonderful to have joy. Man, only God's children have it. I'm telling you. No wonder the angels said joy to the world. <laughs> but man, we got joy. It's that inner strength. It's that gladness. That's rejoicing. It's that delight. It's enjoyment that comes from the presence of God and the blessings of God and the promises of God and our daily walk with God.